0: to the brown sports convos podcast uh, live from our respective homes and locations here during the holidays um we wanted to focus in on the uh nba season since that's coming up in a few days do our nba preview pod i'm ethan Jobson, by the way and i'm here with a lot of great people
1: uh you want to introduce yourselves What's going on, y'all? My name is Ike Marchie. Back again for the Basketball Pods. Took a short hiatus during the the middle of the NFL season, but you know, you know, we're back focusing on on the round ball instead of the egg shaped one. So I'm excited.
2: Uh, my name is June. Uh, very excited for the NBA season. Uh, still heartbroken about Jeremy Grant's backstab move to the Detroit Pistons, where they're going to contend for the seventh seed, but uh, still excited nonetheless.
3: My name is Jonathan. Um, I'm also very excited for the NBA season. Warriors fan, so last year was a little bit uh, a little bit unusual to see uh, a lottery pick. But I'm ready to see them get back to it. Hey,
4: it's Samuel. I'm hopping back in a little bit late, uh, but I'm here and I'm excited to talk about this NBA stuff. All right. So yeah, for our uh, listeners and for Sam,
0: since he came in a little late this time, uh, we, we had talked about a few different uh, topics. Um, I think first we might want to start off with like some of the uh happenings of the off season since it's been a while since we uh had a pod. Uh most of the uh off season transactions have happened in that time and a lot of interesting ones though not the biggest uh off season ever. You want to, uh June, you want to start talk about that?
2: Yeah, so this year's off season was kind of a weird one cuz a lot of people were Thinking it'd be one of the weakest free agent class which it was but we saw a lot of major trades happen which we didn't really expect to see and so we actually got a pretty eventful offseason nonetheless with a lot of top teams looking to reinforce uh, their rosters for the following postseason and this kind of shortened NBA season. Uh, obviously the most recent thing we had was Giannis Antetokounmpo signing that Supermax, the largest contract in NBA history, worth 228 million, five years, he will stay in Milwaukee, which finally brings an end to all the photoshopped jerseys of uh, Giannis and Warriors and Lakers and Boston jerseys. Thank Miami God.
1: Miami Heat fans, they put every single player in all their jerseys, and now they can't put Giannis in that wretched Heat jersey, and, and we've been saved. So thank God. So, so what yeah. does this
2: mean for Milwaukee.
0: It, yeah on that note it kind of stuck out to me when i uh saw it because i was talking uh to my brother about this i was like has there been any superstar in milwaukee history that's like re-upped with them at this point in their career i can't come up with any to be
4: honest so as of- yeah i mean the most recent one that comes to mind is like ray allen and he dipped like relatively early in his career so uh yeah this is this is a big deal for milwaukee fans this is a big deal for milwaukee um yeah i would say that there was a lot of speculation surrounding how uh Giannis was a big fan of bogdanovich and the uh bucks just weren't able to lock him down in that sign and trade deal uh and that was that was cause for a lot of speculation from nba twitter honestly about whether Giannis would be leaving uh before his his contract was up and uh you know, I think Giannis has been saying for a while, I like being in Milwaukee. I like, the, I like, the, uh, I like these people. And honestly, they're giving me money. They're <laughs> He's, uh, he, he doesn't come from like, a, a background of having a lot. So I, I think this is a big deal for him and his family.
1: And uh, shout out to him. And I think uh, to that point, a lot of times, I don't, I don't think people put into, put into play or weigh the temperament or type of person in regards to how, or if they're going to sign a deal or if they want to move, especially in the new NBA where personal autonomy and player autonomy is, is, is more, is more, more, you can see it a lot more. So, and I, an example of this actually is people, we, people have I was having a discussion with some people asking if they thought Damian Lillard was ever going to leave or, or try to go somewhere else to find a championship. And Damian Lillard has, has has said throughout his career he's all about loyalty, and the way Giannis has has gone about his development as a player throughout the Milwaukee program, and like to your point, to your point, Sam, the fact that he doesn't come from as much and he comes from a humble background, it may it makes sense that that he he'd stay, and of course the money makes sense to to the point why he would stay as well. So rumors are rumors, you know. They these Stephen A. And, and Max have to have something to talk about on first take, so.
3: Yeah, I think this also kind of puts a good um, perspective on the Drew Holiday trade. Uh, in a vacuum, it kind of seemed like they overpaid for him. But you know, there's no reason to tell. But you know, if you speculate and say that this was the trade that got them to re-sign Giannis, I think it's 100% worth it for them. Even though Drew Holiday might not be worth all they gave up, especially if the first-round picks. You know, if they're going to be a contender for the next five, six years to come, then if those are late first-round picks. They're not giving up. They're not really mortgaging their future if they have their star.
0: So I'm glad you bring that up. What do we think? We talked a lot about how obviously this is going to have a big impact for the Bucs long term. But what do we think is going to be the kind of impact short term of having that Drew Holiday Giannis core in terms of competing in the East and this coming season?
4: I, so I'm a, I'm a big Drew Holiday believer. Uh, I was a big fan of his work on the Pelicans and I thought that uh, what he brought to the table was something that like very few other uh, sort of combo guards in the league are able to provide on a nightly basis at a, at a starting level, especially. Um, So I think that for me, in my mind, Holiday is a strict upgrade over uh, Eric Bledsoe. And uh, <laughs> um, and like if that those are minutes that that he's taking, if those are Bledsoe's minutes that he's taking, that that's reliability on the defensive end that you weren't getting uh, from from most other players in this league. Uh, you're talking about you're talking about consistency on offense in sort of an off-ball role, uh, which I think that is very valuable to have around Giannis. And then you're also talking about what is essentially. A guy who has made his career off of being a team guy, which is pretty interesting. I, th- I think that having that kind of flavor around Giannis Antetokounmpo is going to be something really valuable for the Bucs uh, if they intend to contend over the next several years.
1: I see, uh, I see, Drew, I see Drew's utility primarily in his offensive specifically playmaking and shot creating ability for himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bucks don't really have a problem regarding the regular season or defensive capabilities or scoring in the paint because Giannis takes care of all of that primarily like basically single-handedly. Their biggest problem comes down to if and I know I know Ethan if you want to talk talk ish on on Budenholzer you will their 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 difficulties lie in their versatility on half court offense in specifically playoff settings and Giannis's own versatility in regards to is he is he a 6 foot 10 wing or is he a big man you see what i'm saying so if he's a big man then Drew Holiday and Giannis can play pick and roll and then hopefully Chris Middleton isn't gassing himself because Giannis wasn't able to play, and now he's playing 40 minutes trying to, trying to shoot long twos and step back threes. Instead, he's just shooting spine-up corner threes. I think, I think if Drew has the ability to, to bring that playmaking ability and shooting specifically that Eric Bledsoe wasn't, then they'll be, they'll be in a good position for sure.
4: Yeah. This is a conversation that. Oh, sorry, I'll, I'll let you go in a second. I was just gonna, I was just gonna say really quick. Like, this is a conversation that comes up around Giannis a lot of, like, how much should Giannis be doing on the offensive end? And I think that question, uh, it brings up, it gets a lot more interesting when you introduce someone like Drew Holiday to the mix. So, yeah, I, I agree with Ike.
0: Yeah, I just want to say on the topic of you bring up my like uh, making fun of Budenholzer. Uh, it's not that I don't think this is a good move. I think that Drew Holiday is definitely a solid piece to add, but I just questioned whether it really like, uh, brings, uh, the bucks up the hierarchy in the East that much in terms of like, they were like all like they did have a stranglehold on the Eastern conference finals just two years ago. It seems like forever ago now, but like, like could it bring them back to that level? Like, I think there's a good chance, but, do I feel that like this version of the Bucks is so much better than those uh versions that inherently they're now going to uh be the favorite, even in the East? I don't think anyone's even arguing that. So I I don't think it's something we should not be talking about, but I just think that like it's interesting to me that like we people talk about the importance of this move, but it doesn't seem like many analysts are willing to even uh put the bucks to where they were just a couple seasons ago. I mean, and ultimately
4: is, I think the reason for that is that it comes down to Giannis, it right? Is. Like it, it is up to him. It is up to his growth as a player and ability to carry a team that is going to be the difference between, you know, being a second round flame out and
1: taking his team to the, to the finals. That, that utility is, is comparable to Philadelphia as well. It's, as 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 so the the move for drew it's marginal it makes them slightly better so for example say if that's drew drew holiday in that series against the heat instead of eric bledsoe maybe they don't get swept maybe they lose in five games like it, like that sort of marginal utility but in terms of overall progress it like like sam said it's on it's on Giannis is he taking is he taking mid-race jumpers is he, is he take, is he taking threes and forcing the defense to respect them? Same, same. And this is the same thing with, uh with Ben Simmons and, and Joel Embiid in, in Philly are, is, are they forcing the defense to respect them? Or are you making it that much easier for them in, 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 in situations where the margins are so, are so tight. So, I mean, we'll see. I'm excited. We'll see.
0: I don't know that I want to be compared to Philly at this point. If I were the Bucs, uh, it's funny you bring them up, too, because I was a bit surprised you didn't see even a bit more drastic uh, things coming out of Philly now. Just because, like, it's pretty wide open east, and yet I really don't see where they fit in. They haven't really blown everything up, which, I mean, it's just my opinion, but, like, I think you could have see the justification for that. But they didn't really, like, go all in and say, like, all right, we are where we are, but this is a anything can happen in this Eastern conference. Um, I, 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 we were talking about earlier doing, talking about like uh, sleepers and, uh, and you know, uh, teams that might underperform. And the Sixers seem like an obvious candidate that could do either in, in just where they are. But like, it's hard for me to say definitively what's, ha- what's going to happen with that team. Uh, I don't know. Not a I very mean, goal.
4: I can probably, I can probably just say here, like, I don't think the Sixers are going to be a top tier team in the East. Um, and I, I really don't think that there's a lot of variants available to them. The thing that might give you pause is that the idea that Simmons, uh, struggles with injuries towards the back half of last season, uh, were a reason that they underperformed in the playoffs but I think that it's the net rating thing of when Simmons and Embiid are on the court together. I think that's a little bit overblown. Um, The moves that they made, I don't think upgraded the team. I think they were mostly lateral moves, Uh, you know, adding Danny green and Seth Curry to the roster while it technically gives you more shooting on paper. I don't think it ultimately affects the overall game plan. It's going to come down to once again, how well do Simmons and, and Embiid, do against other playoff level team.
0: Anyway, I was just going to say quickly that, um, uh, it seems like the big move the Sixers made was through coaching with, uh, Doc Rivers,
4: honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I think that's the thing that like, you might see a little bit of, um, you might be able to see some changes from previous Embiid Simmons era years based on that. Cause I think that Brett Brown, he's kind of a player development coach. Uh, I think that's his reputation Um, And I I just don't know if that's the stage they want to be in right now. I think they they're kind of trying to kind of trying to catch this window of, oh, we have some Simmons and Embiid under contract right now. So, like, let's see what we can do with them. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a couple of it's going to be a couple more years of this window, I think. And then we're probably going to see some kind of movement, some kind of uh, moves from the front office, unless the front office like is, is happy with what they see. So
3: yeah, I think also um, <clears throat> like you were saying before about, do the moves really change anything? I agree that it doesn't really add that much more, uh, you know, pure talent. I think the way that they kind of construct the roster with more shooting Definitely um, plays more to Ben Simmons' strength of being a facilitator and, um, you know, being able to have Joel Embiid on the block. I think it's kind of, as young as they are, it feels somewhat like a it year, especially with Doc Rivers coming in after, you know, kind of a disappointing season uh, with the Clippers. So I don't know I, I don't see them getting, you know, making huge moves if they don't get to the Eastern Conference Finals this year, but They definitely regressed last year, so I think they should, if they kind of take a hard look at what their identity as a team is, um, that could definitely help them this season.
1: Sam, you defining uh, Brett Brown as a player development coach, I find sort of hilariously ironic in the sense that, Ben Simmons has yet to develop a jump shot in the time that he's been a coach. <laughs> so
4: I think that's a separate issue, but yes, I, I don't think he's particularly effective at it.
1: Yeah. Uh but not yeah, I just point to the, the same piece that Ethan and, and and John pointed on in the sense that their their utility lies in 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 Doc Rivers as a coach. I think he he's Doc Rivers has proven that he is one of like the best one of the best coaches in the league but also one of the best coaches at choking playoff leads in the league unfortunately i'm i'm so sad that that's part of his legacy but it's just it's truth so i i don't know i think i think they can do like i said just marginally better than they have and it's it's weird that like a lot of a lot of these teams proven year is this year like really trying to get to a championship where I just see it being um, just, you know, another year for the Lakers. But that's not what we're here to talk about. So, so I'll hold on to that.
4: Yeah, I think part of it is that we're coming out of this, um, we're coming out of this, I guess, time where a lot of teams wanted things to go a certain way for them and um like whether it was injuries whether it was waiting for their young talent to develop things like that we're seeing that across the league and it's like that was a lot of last year and i think teams are wanting to bounce back from that teams want to see what they have at least even if it's not a championship we're looking at a lot of young cores being kind of set in stone now whereas in the past there was a lot of rebuilding uh especially like 2016 to 2018 2019 like that's the; Those are the years of the Warriors, and a lot of the other teams are just trying to, like, get things together. So now they kind of have the pieces for something to happen, but, like, what is that going to look like for them? And I think that's kind of why we're seeing a lot of prove-it years this season. Mm-hmm.
2: And you, you do see uh, some teams that are on that kind of downward slope looking to rebuild now, most notably the Houston Rockets, Uh Pe- they're that kind of team that's always contended with Golden State for so long. And now you start to see their stars aging, uh, their pieces starting to leave them. And so I think this is good. To, I think uh, the John Wall trade is a desperation here for them. Uh, I, I think when you're talking about the time that this year is kind of like the proven year, I think that's completely correct when it comes to almost all of the so-called younger teams in the NBA and a lot of teams that just kind of f- finally finished out their young core. You have uh, the Phoenix Suns. They finally got B- B- Booker and they eaten some help. They have a Playmaker. They finally got a point guard. Thank God. That's not Ricky Rubio. So let's see what they can do with that. You have the Utah Jazz who have their young star. Donovan Mitchell has proved that he is a bona fide star in the NBA. Rudy Gobert, always been a defensive stalwart. Jordan Clarkson is still off the bench. Let's see. Uh, the 76ers in the Heat. The Nets, you got a lot of teams that are looking, and I'm so I'm. What I'm excited to see is, first of all, I'm not going to hold my breath with uh, Ben Simmons. I think he's staying, and he's not going to get traded in a hardened deal. Uh, what I'm excited for mostly is teams like Miami, teams like Utah, who might, if they falter in the first ten or so games in the regular season, look for the desperation trade. Seeing that their tra- if their team's not going to work, I don't think it's going to be Utah, but I think there's going to be at least one or two desperation trades that happen early on in the season after teams are not as sure about their starting lineups that, which, of uh, course, that haven't proven it yet in the playoffs.
0: Not to take any shots here, but in terms of uh, maybe being slow out of the gate, I think there's it's worth talking about the Celtics and the fact that they're not that they're not going to have uh, Kemba Walker for the first uh, few games, um, as well as the fact that they. We haven't talked about it yet. They lost Gordon
4: Hayward. Um, uh, yeah, we can talk about this. Uh, I I have maybe, a lot of thoughts. <laughs> um, yes, so resident Celtics fan here. Uh, I think that... Okay, so a lot of the drama around Gordon Hayward's situation, I think, came around this question of, did Danny Ainge turn down a deal of Miles Turner and Doug McDermott for Hayward? Like, trying to hardball for Oladipo, like... Because if he did, that's a bad look. Um, what ended up happening is he signed and trades uh, Hayward to Charlotte for essentially a, a trade exception, which is only good for the next year. So it's the largest trade exception in history, meaning you can get someone on a max deal by trading someone on someone like Marcus Smart's deal. So like it's, it's potentially really good. He just has to do something with it. And as we know over the past several seasons, Danny Ainge hasn't really been known for doing things except like the Isaiah Thomas trade. So we'll see how that turns out. It's a, this is good if he does something in the next year kind of deal. But if we're talking about the Celtics prospects for this season, losing Hayward loses you a very valuable playmaker off of the bench, uh, who I think when he was present and he wasn't present a lot due to injuries. And I think that's worth mentioning because the Celtics did find success without him. They were pretty good without Gordon Hayward coming off of the bench, but when Hayward was there, when he was coming off of the bench, they had an extra playmaker off of the bench. They had a guy who could keep things going when you don't have Kemba, when you don't have Jason Tatum, or when Tatum doesn't really have it. When he, when he's kind of in his own head, which kind of happens sometimes as a young player, Um, the pickups that they did make, uh, were Jeff Teague and Tristan Thompson. Tristan Thompson, kind of known for having <laughs> kind of known for having a little bit of off-court drama, but he brings something that people have wanted the Celtics to have for years, which is an interior presence. Uh, I think he's a better defender than Ennis Cantor and he can get rebounds at a decent enough rate. So Tristan Thompson fills in a couple of holes there. Jeff Teague I think is just a filler for Kemba Walker, uh hoping that Walker can come back. I like Teague I think that he's good in a kind of, like, not star role, but, like, he he's handling the ball for you. He's taking care of things. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's good pickups. It's just we're in a similar situation where it's, like, is is this the year that Tatum, like, steps it up to, like, a top 10, top five player level? Or is is it just going to be smooth sailing? Is it just going to be, like, the the same ass, same old, same old?
0: Amen. I was going to say, like, the L... The elephant in the room has to be Jason Tatum. Like, he he really dictates where this team is, honestly, in my opinion, at least. if Yeah, if he can be, like, a borderline or even non-borderline MVP candidate, like, that changes things completely for where the Celtics are versus if he either stays the same or, God forbid, if you're a Celtics fan, like, regresses. And it's hard to tell, I feel like, because, well, of course, we know he's only 19, so... How can you project a 19 year old, but, uh,
1: uh,
4: you know, he's on track to be a a seven footer by the time he's, uh, 20 years old. Yeah. I I think this has been the case for the past few seasons, even it's like, well, I would say past two is this team will go as far as Jason Tatum takes them because I think when we're looking at Kimball Walker, um, it's a similar situation to Hayward, honestly, to where it's like, yes, he provides leadership. He provides great playmaking on the court when he's there, but it's, it's getting harder and harder to rely on him to be there. I think that these recurring issues with his knee are a little bit concerning from a long-term health perspective. Um, and you know, if it's a point guard, if it's a guy who relies on his, on his quickness, uh, like Kemba does, then that's that's even more concerning from that side of things so yeah we are looking at we're looking to Tatum we're looking to uh how well that supporting cast continues to continues to support him but also like how far are you going to take us Tatum how far are you going to take us against we look at the Heat series right they lose in seven a couple of those games come really close uh down to the wire and it's just about Taking care of the ball, taking care of those key possessions where you can make a swing happen, and that's where it's like you you're looking to the star to elevate their game, right? Like, and and that's gonna have to be Tatum for the for the foreseeable future. So, uh, you know, he just signed his he just signed his max extension. Um, I think that he showed flashes of being that guy uh, several times last season and last off season, uh, and it's it's
1: a matter of consistency at this point. Ethan, I've got a comparison that you might like the, regarding Jason Tatum. And I think it, for, at least for Celtics fans, not as much national pressure, just because there are easier scapegoats to to come at in regards to NBA, uh, NBA personalities. But in terms of his expectations and what people think he should be doing regarding Jason Tatum, I can kind of see the spotlight resembling that of of Lamar Jackson, in a sense, where he's had a couple playoff experiences. He's been there. He's young and he's shown that he has the potential to be very great. But there's something, whether it's Lamar's throwing ability or the Celtics not having a big, because I will, sh- Sam, I will call Daniel Tice trash for the rest of my life. I don't care how, how, uh, how. Non box score, he is. I don't care how much of a team player he is. He is. I, if he's a big man on my team, I'm not winning a championship. Period. But regard, like the, the aside from that, I I just say that to say that I think the the comparisons or the hope for for Jason Tatum is is regarding the fact that he has the potential to reach that next level, and he just kind of has to do it. So. Yeah.
0: yeah, I think that makes sense that like, yeah, he has to be like Lamar Jackson, like an NBA, uh, that, that level of player in the NBA to, I think, I think it's clear that the Celtics have some weaknesses now, like, they're, they're, their core is like fine, but it's not, if they want to be competing at the top level, they need that guy. And I think, I think with Tatum, the problem you see is when he he just gets into these uh, places where it seems like he feels like he has to win a game, even when he doesn't quite. And I know that might sound a bit contradictory since I know he wants to be the star, but he has to be, he has to know to make winning plays. And that doesn't always yeah. necessarily mean him jacking up threes, him right. or Him having to win a game like with 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. He, he has to be a guy who, is making impact plays and maybe even setting up his teammates to uh, make plays rather
4: than just taking whatever shot he can get, you know? I think that that's been a recurring theme over the past several Celtics offseason runs where they kind of abandoned the Brad Stevens offense in the, when they're at a deficit or when it's like in the last uh, stretch of a game. And it's, it's you know, they're either trying to shoot their way out of a hole or they're, uh, they're just – kind of, kind of just taking bad shots, you know, not taking care of the ball, taking bad shots, just bad offensive possessions. Uh, And a lot of those issues are things that you typically associate with youth, um, which has been fine for, I mean, we're we're joking that like we still consider Tatum 19 or whatever, but uh, you know, he he's coming up on like his fourth or fifth season, fourth season. uh, And I think that you want to see that decision-making like improve even more than it already has. You want to see it be consistent. You want to see them be like, start playing like a veteran team, start playing like a team that, that belongs in the finals.
2: I want to pivot away uh, to another team that I think is going to come slow out of the game. That's the Minnesota Timberwolves. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, I have little faith in the Minnesota Timberwolves to well, you don't like outs. uh
4: number one pick Anthony Edwards guy who says he doesn't really love basketball. doesn't
2: really like basketball. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, there's that. Uh, I think Anthony I Edwards will prove himself to be a decent player. The biggest thing I see with the Minnesota Wolves is that they made some moves. Sure. They got first pick. They got Ricky Rubio. They didn't really improve where they needed to in order to get to a place where I can comfortably call them a playoff team or even a playoff team that will make. The, it out of the first round. And I associate that most to the fact that last year, the experience with D'Angelo Russell and Carl St. Townsend in to the, the season wasn't exactly great. They won a couple of games. They didn't look like world beaters. Uh, maybe that was because, you know, they didn't have enough time to adjust and have a preseason together. We'll see. Anthony Edwards, again, uh, he doesn't like basketball for some reason. Uh, I don't think he has the same kind of passion to win games. Uh, hopefully he'll treat it as a job and treat it as best he can. But I think that's a huge variable and a huge... Uh, variance in terms of what uh, he can bring to the table juan Hernan gomez is not exactly a fourth option he's very much a role player rotation player and their big money contract signing malik beasley is entangled in his own personal troubles whatever that might be but the bigger issue i see with him is that he's not playing well on the court <laughs>
4: that's some of the the Malik Beasley stuff is some of the funniest stuff I've ever seen happen in the NBA. Like I, I wasn't, uh, you know, a drama guy when like the stuff with Tony Parker was going down and then I was like, wow, this is a, uh, this is something, huh?
2: Yeah. And their backup center, you know, Ed Davis, decent guy. He's, he's a good second round. I mean, second, uh, unit player to Carlton Towns. Sure. Their bench unit, like in a team where if your starting lineup isn't jacked, you need at least some kind of depth in order to make up for that. Having your depth be Malik Beasley, Josh Kogi, Jake Lehman, and Jarrett Culver is not exactly a sign of confidence if you're a Timberwolves fan, especially when your starting lineup uh, shooting guard, whether that will be Malik Beasley or DeAndre Russell and you move Ricky Rubio to the bench. It's not looking good for Timberwolves, if I'm being honest.
0: Talking a little about these uh, lower in the standings teams, especially out east, since we talked about how this kind of a, such a toss-up year, I feel like there are a couple teams I've been seeing that I kind of think of as like teams that need to put up or shut up at this point, chief of which I think is the Atlanta Hawks. I think we've been hearing about how the Atlanta Hawks have been uh,
1: – why are you making that face Ike? Um, uh, go ahead, make your point. Uh, all right. make your
0: point We've been hearing about how the Atlanta Hawks are up and coming for a few years now, and I think seeing the young core they have now, I kind of think this is the year of all years they need to they need to make at least somewhat of a jump. I'm not saying they need to be a uh, contender, but they need to they they need to show that this core can congeal into a legitimate team that can uh, compete on any
1: given night. Uh, for me to buy them
0: I, I, I don't know like what, what are your thoughts
1: no nah, I, I like that I like the fact that you brought up the Atlanta Hawks because I think they're a team that immediately got better by signing Rajon Rondo and I love that signing for them just because I think as good as Trey Young is and as high as his ceiling is he's only going to get exponentially better by learning from Rajon Rondo understanding the nuances of the point guard position and I like that you brought up the Atlanta Hawks because I really appreciate and enjoy the the Trey Young and Luka Doncic comparisons. Um, just because, obviously, I think we can all agree that Luka Doncic is marginally better, or a little better, or much better, however however you want to say it, than Trey Young. Given, I'll give it size and playmaking ability. I guess, even though they're both great playmakers. But I bring up that comparison just because I think when you, when you talk about the Atlanta Hawks and and put up or shut up per se, they do definitely have to get better, but I don't think they're in a position to be like, okay, we have to make the playoffs this year and we have to get out of the first round. I like, I just think, I just think they have to like really improve. And like, once they put them, like, I I have, I think they're going to put themselves in contention to get into the playoffs, but I don't think there's any quote unquote pressure on them per se, just because, you know, if, if you're not, like, turning up that much in the Eastern Conference that actually got better this year with all the signings, then, like, you're just fishing for more lottery picks. And it's not I like – I don't better. think yeah, – Huh? You think the East got better? The East definitely did get better, without a doubt. That's interesting. Your Nets. Look at your Nets. What are you talking okay, okay, about? Okay,
0: yes. I'd, I'd agree. I'll, I'll Actually, we could talk about that if you want. I'd agree that, yes, at the top <laughs> of the you East, want. got better. But – with Atlanta, we're talking about from top to bottom. Like, I don't know that I have more faith in the, for example, the Sixers who we brought up to like even stay the playoffs that I had like last season. But if we're, if we're going to talk about the, I didn't bring it up.
4: It up. <laughs> if you're going to force his hand like this, I. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Let's, what, what do we think about these Nets?
4: So preseason stuff for the Nets, uh, I think, you know, somewhat, somewhat famously making the rounds is that it's looking good. The chemistry between Kyrie and Katie. Um, and I don't, I don't think that part was ever in question with them. Uh, I, that might, that might be a take, but like, I I don't think the thing in question was like, will Katie and Kyrie play well together? Uh, I think the question is more of how long are they going to stay together? Um, but we do know now they can play. I Katie, Kyrie, good at basketball. He looks healthy man I think yeah healthy. yeah I I, think- I, we were talking
0: earlier about the depth on the team, and I will say if there's one caveat is that the depth is very concentrated at certain in certain areas, like the guard positions. the big man uh is probably the biggest question mark, but given the the resources we have having dantoni Nash on staff i I wasn't now. To clarify, I was a bit down on the Nash hiring at first, but I think he's done things that make me uh, more willing to see it in a good light by putting the right people around him. Um, I I think if they are creative about the system and another key thing, if Katie and Kyrie buy in, I think this could be like far and away the best team in the East, uh, at least in the regular season, the playoffs experience and everything. And team chemistry is a bit of a different animal, but
4: yeah, I mean, I think, well, if you ask me, I think when I look at the nets, um, chemistry aside, I would say that they'd be one of those teams that like, you know, they're, they're always, they're always, uh, winning games that like they should be. And then like, sometimes they're dropping games that they shouldn't, uh, maybe because they're sitting a guy. something maybe sometimes they're, uh, they're just, their heart's not in it or whatever, Um, So they, they kind of smack of like, you know, second seed, close to first seed, something like that to me, but I agree. I think that we're going to see a very strong showing from them uh, this season. And uh, I think that any interpersonal issues they have will more than likely uh, be cropping up later on than earlier on. So if we're talking about slow starts, Nets aren't going to have one in my opinion.
3: I think also like, they definitely, I mean, with Kevin Durant and Kyrie, two people that have won a championship, they definitely have the talent to get over the top, um, especially with, you know, with the hiring of Steve Nash and just that coaching staff. I think the biggest thing for them will be to kind of manage, manage those personalities and get them to work together rather than, like, you know, have them outperform their talent because they definitely have the talent to, um, to put themselves in a position for a championship. I think it'll just be, you know, Finding a way to make those different puzzle pieces fit.
1: I think, in terms of, of fit for them, a lot of people have talked about, oh, uh, Kyrie and KD are both beta personalities; they can't lead a team.
4: I know. I think Sam, that's such. I think that's a very uh, ignorant position to take. No, I
1: know. I know. I was. I was. I was. Yeah. I was. Using that as a as a caveat. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
4: Okay, uh,
1: I, I get
0: that you say that because didn't you think that chemistry would be an issue? I think I
4: think, it, I think those are two different things, right? I think saying "oh, these two guys are never going to be the number one guys on their teams." I think that's just false. I don't think that's uh, that's totally true. Um, I think the real question is like, you know, how how willing are they to? make that work how willing are they to continue to make that work because i think that's an ongoing conversation that they have to have and so far i think it's it's going to be it, it looks like they are having that conversation and they are fine
1: with each other's presence um, and that, yeah yeah the point i was going to make is that funnily enough even though they both won championships i like I, I sort of just came to this realization but i think that this team and this location sort of fits both of their personalities better than any situation that they've been in previously. Because with KD and the Warriors, it was just, oh, it was a winning mentality. I come into work, I do what I need to do and I rock with these people to get to my desired goal. But then it's still, oh, we love, we love Steph. Oh, we love Clay. KD, you just kind of put us over the hump and you, you all know how Kyrie feels about, LeBron James in Cleveland and Sam, you had a firsthand experience of how Kyrie worked in Boston. So I think given the combination of like them two together and them being in New York and it being tailored to the both of them, because I like, I don't really put one above the other. Maybe I put Kyrie a little bit above KD since he's, since he's coming off an injury, but like you all saw in the preseason, the way KD's moving, like is he might, he might, his his drop off might be marginal, but if KD's dropping off marginally, he's still one of the best players in the league. So I I can I can really see it working out for them. It's just a matter of how good they are defensively and how how much their role players show up and 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 score score for them honestly. So we'll see. I I I, I think it'll work for them. Like I could see like I see a, a one to three seed for them any anywhere, any one, two or three seed.
4: I agree with that. Yeah, not to
0: belabor the point, but this might be a hot take. But I feel like Mike D'Antoni might have been like one of the best acquisitions by any team over this offseason, I think. Because like that has the fact that he's dealt with like James Harden and Chris Paul, and like like because like, that was the biggest problem I had with the Nash hiring was like sure, Nash seems like a agreeable guy, but you can you can always see uh easily uh the idea of like oh he's agreeable he caters to stars being oh he's a pushover but I think having someone with that experience and that uh caliber of recognition as Mike D'Antoni on the coaching staff is something I think you can't underestimate uh and I I I think yeah you saw in that preseason game you don't want to make too much of preseason but like they seem to have a flow they seem to have chemistry It seems like there might be a team identity. And I think that was the biggest question with these guys besides Katie's health, which also looks pretty good. So I, as a Nets fan, I feel pretty good at least about where they stand in the East. Um,
4: So, yeah, I I think that if you're a Nets fan, um, you, you should definitely be encouraged by two specific things here. So one, after like an initial sort of kind of, Oh, is Steve Nash really the guy here? I do think the Dantoni hiring is very encouraging that like this team, at least on the coaching side of things, is going in a in a direction that is sustainable, that that they will be able to to replicate in in certain positions. And uh, you know, we we laugh about like, oh, Dan Tony not winning a championship, that kind of thing. But like a lot of times he came very, very close and you know maybe it's Katie and Kyrie that can take uh, take that style of play over the hump, because I don't think the style of play is necessarily unsustainable. It's just a matter of how, how much players are able to, you know, continue on in situations where sometimes those possessions are going to break down. Sometimes the, the shots just aren't there. Um, So I think that part is encouraging. And then the other part that should encourage you as a Nets fan is I think Katie and Kyrie have shown a lot of love for each other, uh, you know, both on and off the court that really speaks to, you know, if, if there are concerns about chemistry right now, like those aren't there, not not currently there, right? Like I think that th- at least for the time being, Katie and Kyrie are going to work together in a uh, positive way and that should be encouraging to Nets fans. So I feel
0: like there's one more big uh big thing we haven't talked about and that's obviously at least in my mind the favorite which is those lakers man i know i could i could, I knew you were waiting for it i i knew you were waiting for it they had they had something of an off season too they had the gasol pickup the schroeder pickup so i think the big question honestly is does anyone think they're not going to repeat uh does anyone think that uh, they've been surpassed by anyone or because I, I don't know. What do you guys
1: think? I can start. I can start. Uh, so with the Lakers, I obviously think that they're going to repeat. And they, everyone has been saying, and it's a fact that they did get better with this offseason. They got rid of an inconsistent shooter in Danny Green. And Walking AD confused. up. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, they got a, a dude in Dennis Schroeder who can create his own shot, which is incredibly valuable um, in a lot of late clock situations where you just need a bucket. Um, but it's all chance. It's, it's all chance. Can they stay healthy? Um, are, are, are June, are June's nuggets going to go super Saiyan? and Jamal Murray decides to average a triple double, like his name is Russell Westbrook. I, I don't know. Is there's, there's, does, does Kyrie turn into a combination of 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 Damian Lillard and Kate and uh, Steph Curry? I, like, I don't know. I think they have the ability to repeat and they can repeat, but they also could not. So I think that's where I see it.
3: I think also, um, you know, when we talked about like small market teams versus big market teams, another kind of advantage to contending teams that isn't really talked about as much is that you know, these players are taking pretty team-friendly deals because they can win a championship. Like, the Wesley Matthews, $3.6 million. Like, I think that's a big steal for the Lakers because all these players are, you know, they're buying in that, you know, I'll take a little bit of a pay cut and then just be able to put together a team that doesn't have any um, glaring holes. I think also... channel yeah, um, barely got 20. Yeah, like, I think that's not a especially with the fit for the team, like with Anthony Davis, that's like, that is a good signing. It's not a crazy steal. I think the biggest thing for that signing is that they took him away from the Clippers. Um, Yeah. yeah.
4: And I, you know, I would just add to that, that like, we talked about how Harold kind of underperformed in the playoffs for the Clippers uh, and how part of that, it seemed like a lot of the Clippers from the, from before Kawhi and Paul George had signed had that sort of scrappy identity, the kind of nobody believes in us kind of deal. But then it was like now with the expectations now with the kind of glitz and glamor of having those two star guys, maybe some of these scrappier guys felt like, you know, there was too much expectation or we heard a little bit about how behind the scenes, they felt like Paul George and Kawhi were getting pampered too much, getting a little bit too much special treatment. Um, So, you know, I agree with you. Trez was a quality player for the Clippers, but like, would he have done that much for the Clippers this season? That's that's something that I think is worth thinking about. Um, and like the Clippers, overall, a disappointing experiment so far. You know, you you don't get much better than Paul George if you're the Clippers, I guess. So it's like, all right, sign him to the max. That makes sense. But, you know, I, I don't think they are going to be the God Slayers that we thought they were going to be
2: but let's look at the rest of the West. If you want to look at challengers to the Lakers, obviously you had Denver Nuggets uh, made the Western Conference finals took a game off them. Uh, if AD didn't make that heartbreaking shot in game two, we were two games away from uh, making the finals. But uh, I think the Nuggets have gotten worse and taking a step back for a year, uh, given the fact that Jeremy Grant didn't resign. And so it's going to be more of a developmental uh, you're looking to uh, develop Zeke Naji, looking to develop RJ Hampton, looking to incorporate uh, Facundo Campazzo.
1: It's gonna be a hmm? How do you feel about MPJ this year?
2: How, how do I feel about Michael Porter Jr.? Michael Porter Jr. uh needs to take that step. It's just that simple. Uh he has I think we're I think we have him for two more years before his contract's up, uh maybe one, considering that he took an entire year off. We need him to develop. Uh he showed flashes. Uh his defense is still questionable, but we have Will Will Barton back, so hopefully he'll be able to contend a little bit with that spot. And uh, if Bull Bol turns out to be the uh, monster he is in 2K every year, then we should be in the good spot. Bol Bol in 2K
4: is so funny. Bol
2: Bol in 2K is absolute cheese. Uh, I think another team that we have to look at is the Dallas Mavericks almost pushed Houston. Uh, oh, no, was it? Yeah. Uh, Luka Doncic still... Probably gonna get into top three this year. Mvp leader, I think, uh in terms of the Vegas odds. Uh Christopher Thingis looked good in the in the postseason, and then you add Josh Richardson, Tim uh Jr. is still there. I think that the Mavericks are gonna look scary just if not simply for Luka Doncic's uh, contributions to that squad. And then you have uh, I think the Memphis Grizzlies are gonna look really good with Jean Morant and J oh, yeah. uh, Jay Cubed, who's both looking very good as long as, he can as, long as uh, injuries don't plague him. That's looking good, and then uh,
4: yeah, I was gonna bring them up. If you didn't, uh, yeah. I I think the Grizzlies are a team that you at least want to watch. You know, they're at least a league pass team. John Morant is some of the best television uh, that the NBA is providing, and Jaren Jackson, like he's gonna be good no matter where he is.
1: you were two games away from making the playoffs.
4: Oh yeah. So it's like, you know, are they going to be making a deep playoff run? I wouldn't predict that at this time, but like I I think they're at least going to be a fun team and watching the development of those players, especially is going to be really fun.
0: Does anyone have any predictions? they want to go out on a limb yet?
4: Uh, I think for For me, well, we, we think about in the West, the Rockets are likely not going to be returning to the heights that they had previously done. Uh, I don't think that the Clippers are coming in with a chip on their shoulder. Uh, I, I just don't know if that team has it in them. So, like, I think they drop down to three or four. Uh, and we're probably going to see a younger team, like one of the ones that June mentioned, uh, like the Mavericks or the Nuggets, uh, taking one of those spots. And it's, it's going to be maybe not as... We'll, we'll see how competitive it's going to end up being with the Lakers because I think that the Lakers, they are the team to beat for sure. Um, but we, we there's a lot of young players out in the West that I think, you know, young teams, young players, that they could be something next season. I don't know if they will be, but they can.
3: I hate to say it, but I think with the Clay Thompson injury, the Warriors are somewhat getting, you know, they're not getting the credit they deserve because of how much better players perform with Steph Curry around them you know like just the spacing that he provides like who's the um, just the way that they can play around him like Kevon Looney and JaVale McGee they were so much better than they would be with with him off the court just because they can be you know that weak side um, just lob pass so I think they definitely have question marks with you know, is Andrew Wiggins going to shed the bust label? And is James Wiseman going to be more than just like a Hassan Whiteside? But I think they have the pieces to at least contend in the playoffs and give, you know, these upper teams, you know, a solid series before we get Clay Thompson back next year.
4: I, think I actually like James Wiseman a lot. So uh, I, I think that's going to be fun to keep an eye on.
1: And I also think every year people forget that Andrew Wiggins has the ability to average 20 points a game. And that, because it's something that I sure, I forget because I'm like, yo, who is Andrew Wiggins? I,
4: I agree that he has that ability, but I also feel like there are 30 teams in this league and all of them have like, you know, I I think like 20 to 25 of them have a 20 point plus player. uh, And it's like, I don't think it's, I think it's like kind of empty points when it's Wiggins, so like I'm not.
1: It's empty points when it's Wiggins on the Timberwolves, but is it empty points when he's playing? We'll see what it is on the
4: Warriors. I don't think it was the most nutritious points, shall we say, uh, in in his in the time that the Warriors were playing. But uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. He he doesn't strike me as like a guy who's gonna puts you over the edge he kind of just strikes me as filler points as as it stands right now we'll see if he he proves things wrong especially uh, playing next to Steph Curry uh I hopefully with a bit more consistency
3: the way I kind of look at it you know if you look at this series where Harrison Barnes single-handedly lost them a championship by missing all those threes if Andrew Wiggins can make those threes and uh Clay Thompson is back, <laughs> and that's that's a championship team. Are
1: you talking about 2016 <laughs> right now? Is that what yeah. you're doing?
3: Yes. <laughs> <right>. uh, <laughs> Ethan,
2: <laughs> Ethan mentioned it. I think uh, it'd be a good, good time to go around and ha- because the NBA season started yet, give our uh, you heard it here first. We said it. Uh, I told you mm, so, so mm-hmm. moments. Yeah. Me, so we, right, we can.
4: Uh, I'll, I'll just say like we can modify the two cent finish to our hot takes for uh, the NBA season finish. Uh, and we'll just call it that. Yeah, go ahead.
2: Okay, uh, so my I told you this. So uh, the Timberwolves. I mean, not the Timberwolves. Ooh, uh, the Trailblazers will make a top three seed in the West.
1: Like
2: that. I th- I really like I really like what the do the squad they brought back in this counter. Uh, they have a really strong depth. They made a lot of good changes. I think this is going to be uh, one of the last years. Damian Lillard is going to think, okay, I, I got to go. This is the years because they really like has shown so much loyalty. The GM has shown loyalty back. They've made contending moves after Hassan Whiteside experiment. So I really like what they're doing. Uh, another one, Utah Jazz, they're gonna make top five seed. I really like what they're doing. They have the depth. Jordan Clarkson's only gonna get better. Uh, and I think I hate to say it. I think uh, the jazz are gonna make it the second round and they're gonna look really strong against whether that be the, uh, the Lakers or the Clippers. Those are my two picks, uh, picks.
1: I can go next. I'll go next. Uh, so I'm gonna make the obvious. I'm gonna make the obvious call. And the first thing that I will say is that you can put me on record by saying that the Los Angeles Lakers will repeat as champions. In the wow, a hot take, Ike. Uh, so okay, so this one, this one's a little less hot, but I think two teams that will make the playoffs in the West that did not make the playoffs last year. I think the Suns and the Grizzlies will take one of those. I like
4: that. I like that.
1: One of those six to eight spots. I think both of them are going to be in the playoffs for the West this year. And I don't, I don't really care about the East that much, but I mean, I do like, I'm excited to see what they got going on. But if I were to guess who, like, let me say who's, who's coming out of the East. The Bucks are coming out the East. The Bucks and the Nets are going to go, are going to are going to face in the Eastern Conference Finals, and the Bucks are going to come out of the East. So, so that's I, I'm, I'm gonna leave it at that. So i i uh,
4: <laughs> I've been a long proponent that like Westbrook shouldn't have won the MVP that he did end up winning. I think the other two candidates were like better at the time, but. <sighs> There's something about him that it just it makes me want to believe in him. It makes me want to believe that he can elevate whatever team he's on. And so, like him on the Wizards, while it's the lateral move of all lateral moves between him and John Wall, like I I just want to think that he and Bradley Beal can do something great together. But uh, I don't think that's the take that I'm I'm gonna put myself on record for today. Uh, I think that the Heat making the finals wasn't a fluke. Uh, there are very strong teams at the top of the East right now, but I think that to ignore the heat to say that, oh, it was the pandemic or, oh, it was just these crazy freak injuries. I, I think that's discrediting what they accomplished a little bit. Uh, and I think that's a good team. I think they can be top two, top three of the East easily.
3: I think the, you know, what the heat were this year is kind of like, you know, what the what the Clippers wanted to be, like that scrappy team without like a parent, like the, you know, that A1 guy, but, you know, they still get there by being a great team. So I, I definitely think that the people that are saying, you know, this was just a weird season, you know, there was going to be some upsets aren't really acknowledging.
4: I also know. think Jimmy Butler is like a top 10 player in the league right now. Yeah. Uh, not, okay. not just based on talent, but just like he gives Get it. His all. <laughs> 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 He's a top 10 guy. I want on my team for any team that I'm building, maybe top five. Like that's, that's a, that is a top tier player right there.
3: I, I, I agree say, with everything I hope.
0: you guys have said, I, uh, I agree the Heat are not getting their due, and I think they're, as an Nets fan, they're the team in the East I'm most worried about. But I, I you guys are still not being quite bold enough for me. I, I'm, You'll love this, Ike. I'm going to one-up you. Lakers in five. I think they're going to win the uh, finals in fewer games than they did last year. I think they're a better team. I think the competition overall is not where it was last year. Uh, I, think, I think they're better as a team. I think the Nets will make the finals. I think it'll be, t- I think it'll be tough. But I think Anthony Davis is going to exploit their biggest weakness. And I think, I think it's eventually going to happen for the Nets, but it ain't going to happen this year. And, but one more thing. We, I know we said two cents are just going to be NBA this year. I just, I, I just had to get one last thing out. I don't care if it thematically screws up the pods. It's just an NBA pod, but like, okay, the college football playoff rankings came out yesterday. Um, and everyone on the group chat knows I was blowing up the chat because, uh, I think it's freaking ridiculous. Uh, and I, I just have one last hot take, bring back the computers, man, bring back the BCS computer. I, I, I as much as it is frustrating and annoying to have some weird ass algorithm, Decide the teams. I'll take that any day over a committee, man. I I, I think you can look at the simulated BCS rankings, go to a six-team playoff, best uh, power five teams, and the uh, best uh, best uh, group of five team of all the five, the best one, and the seating decided by the computers. I'm sorry, Andrew Yang, but I'm supporting these jobs being automated. Bring back computers.
4: And Jonathan, I think that leaves you.
3: I think uh, this isn't a huge hot take, but I'm really excited for um, the pairing of John Wall and Demarcus Cousins in uh, in Houston. I think they have a good chemistry, you know, being Kentucky teammates. They're both kind of coming off injuries. Those are the main question marks. They definitely have the talent, they've both been all stars in the past. So I don't know um, if there's going to be a dumpster fire with the James Harden drama, but if, you know, either if he gets traded and they can kind of make that their team, or if he stays and they buy in together, that's an exciting duo. All
0: right. Well, thanks guys. This has been really great. Uh, it's been a really great discussion. I'm really excited for this season and what we uh, take from it. Anyway, it's been the Brown sports convos podcast, sports If you guys don't know is back up and functional. Mm, uh, yeah. I, I'm so happy about that. I got uh, podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, basically where uh, most places that you can uh, find your podcasts. Keep, just keep listening for new content. We got other shows. We got other articles, hopefully. It's kind of a weird time now with the pandemic and finals and the holiday season, but we're always there producing new stuff. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening, and we're out.
1: I love